Bell and Chantel sings weekday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. 89.9 KMOJ. DJ Del Della with the Wake Up Workout this morning. Last year in St. Paul, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter put forward his 2021 city budget, including a zero uh, staff layoffs, a zero property tax increase, zero use for emergency reserve funds. And I'm wondering what the planning has looked like in formulating the budget for 2022. St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter joining us this morning. Good morning. How are you today? Unbelievable. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. It, it sure has, but I appreciate you guys having me on. It's our pleasure. So what are the steps in formulating your 2022 budget? Uh, you gave the address to the city yesterday in your State of the City report. Um, that's right. So by by law, uh, every year by about mid-August, I have to formulate a budget and propose a proposed budget for the following year to our city council. The second half of the year, they spend time in public hearings, uh, and by the end of the year, they have to approve that budget. So we're in the process now of putting together the proposed budget. And what's so important is that when we do it, it doesn't just reflect my ideas or my opinions, but it reflects the community. And so that's why over the course of these next month, uh, next several weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a series of community budget engagement events to ask our community members, what do you think, what values do you think this budget should drive? It goes back to my mother, who used to always tell me as a kid, no matter what you say or where you go on, go to church on Sunday, the book that reflects what you really believe in and what you really value is your checkbook. It's how you spend. And so our budget has to be a values document, and it needs to reflect the values not just of me, but of our entire community, which is why we do it this way. Well, you've gone through a lot in the last year. I know a lot of people have around the country. The pandemic, civil unrest has put a big light on the disparities existing in St. Paul. How will the city, uh, Mayor Elvin Carter, uh, build back and how are you addressing and assisting businesses and residents together? And that's the critical question. I'll tell you, one is building back. And I know our president always says build back better because one of the reasons this pandemic hit us so hard is because we have built over the course of the last generation a very uninclusive, non-resilient economy. And my hope is that what we've learned over the last year is that as long as one member of our community can't afford a stable home to to shelter in place uh, or can't go to the doctor when they're sick or can't take a week off of work to care for a sick child, that we're all less safe. And so we're going all in. Uh, to make sure that people have access to housing, to reimagine public safety. We know that that's an important thing right now. That, well, it's been an important thing for a very long time. It's just that there's an opportunity right now because people are aware of this uh, this need. Uh, and we're going to be focused on thinking about how we get people back working uh, in that partnership between our residents and those businesses. The American Rescue Plan really gives us a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We have $166 million coming from the federal government. Uh, over the next couple of years, and it gives us a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to invest in our community, and that's exactly what we plan to do. I like the way it, it feels that what you like to focus on and uh, in, in everything you guys are doing in St. Paul is focus on what the people need. What do you expect that, circling back to the budget for 2022, what do you expect to hear in responses if you're going to reach out to the community and say, what do you feel like you need? What do you feel like we should include in this budget? What do you What do you expect to get in those responses? You know, those are the things that we've already begun to hear from folks because we do this, uh, we do this engagement kind of year round. 
you know, we know that there's a lot of folks who are anxious about making sure we get enough vaccines, right? Vaccines out. And so that's one of the things that's at the core of all of our strategies. It's getting the people back to work, getting people, getting big events going back, making sure we have a state fair this summer, getting kids back in school, all centers around continuing to get members of our community vaccinated. And so we're continuing to encourage people to check out the vaccine connector uh, or just go find out how to get a vaccine in your local neighborhood. Uh, so that's one of the pieces. We're hearing a lot about mental health, especially over the last year, and the need to ensure that community members can access mental health kind of uh, services and resources in our community. And then from there, it really is safety. Uh, it's, it's, it's the basics like safety, uh, housing, jobs, getting our children back in school. Uh, we're hearing a lot about the basics right now. Your wife, a healthcare worker, I didn't realize that until I uh, saw your report yesterday. Uh, it's been a part of the big COVID fight. Uh, more than 400 local St. Paul neighbors have passed away from the pandemic. It hits close to home to you. When will St. Paul lift its mask mandate? I know that today is a big day uh, because of restrictions across the state being lifted. What does it look like for St. Paul? You know, I appreciate the question. Yes, my wife, uh, Dr. Sakina Futro Carter, uh, is a healthcare provider, has cared for COVID positive patients. And, uh, you know, our, our healthcare providers have been on the front lines. I mean, they've literally been through a war on our behalf. Uh, I think Congress should pass a GI bill for healthcare providers who fought us through this pandemic. Mm. Uh, but, but, you know, look, I, I hear my grand, I heard my grandfather talking about World War II and all, all of the sacrifices that every American made. You know, after 9-11, uh, here we are 20 years later, uh, you know, still still taking off our shoes at the airport and traveling different. We have a pandemic that over the course of the last year and a half or so has taken the lives of over 3 million people worldwide. And the one thing our healthcare providers are asking us to do is just cover our noses while we go about doing everything else you wanted to do anyway. And so, you know, I, I, I'm going to list our mask order in St. Paul the moment that professionals who study our city and study our local trends tell us it's safe and appropriate to do so. But I also have to admit, I'm a little frustrated with people who seem more intent uh, and more focused on getting rid of masks than helping us in this pandemic. Interesting. So what would you say to those folks, if you can go deeper, your frustration, I hear that in your voice. Uh, what is your message to those people? Uh, that, you know, that 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 wearing a mask, mm-hmm. covering our noses and our mouths with a piece of cloth uh, for a little while longer uh, is a very small price to pay. As we think about the historic sacrifices that our communities have made, that our elders have made, uh, that uh, wearing a mask is a very small price to pay to protect our children, ourselves, our coworkers, our uh, classmates, our community members. Uh, from this virus that's killed over 3 million people. I will say, though, that, you know, one reason it's important for us to lift it at the moment we can, the moment it's safe and appropriate to do so, as soon as we can, is because we don't want people to get sort of fatigued by it. And should we see ourselves in another spike uh, at some point in time, uh, should we find a place where it, there's a real acute need for those masks? We don't want people tired of it. So we will be focused on listing at the moment and as soon as we can. Uh, I think we're on our way there. Um, we still have neighborhoods in our African-American neighborhoods and uh, communities of color. We still have neighborhoods that only around half of people uh, have been vaccinated. So we need to get that up a little bit further. And I don't think it's a a, a large price to pay 
to say, let's just cover our mouths and our noses just a little while longer while we get our vaccination rate up. We're talking with Mayor Melvin Carter this morning on KMOJ, and he just released his uh, annual State of the City report. So what's the outlook for the city of St. Paul? I know that uh, you have a really close project to you, lifting library fines and also uh, helping students to attend college. In your, What will be your legacy for St. Paul as his first African-American mayor? I appreciate the question. You know, I'm running for re-election right now, and we're doing it based on all the work that we've done over the past uh, several years. We've raised the minimum wage to $16 an hour. We've launched this college-bound St. Paul initiative to help to have every child born in our city born with $50 to start a college savings account. We've eliminated late fines in our libraries. We've made historic investments in affordable housing. Uh, and, and, and we're launching, uh, we're operating right now what we call a guaranteed income pilot program where we have 150 families who are receiving $500 a month for a period of 18, uh, 18 months. And so, you know, I think our focus is one, exactly what you just said, Chantel, is focusing on what the people need, right? And um, every time that we do something like this, somebody says, well, is that the right role of city government? And that frustrates me because that question makes it seem like we should think our, our, our role should be more defined by repeating the precedents and repeat doing the same things over and over again than by saying, what do our people need right now? And how do we bring resources from City Hall to help meet those needs? The way we're identifying though, that, though, I think that's the real, that's the real kind of secret sauce for me is by engaging people in the public process, by rewriting the kind of social compact between City Hall and the people who live in our community. And my hope is that when it comes time for me to pass this torch to someone else, my hope is one, that that time isn't here yet. But when that time is here, that we have a whole community that's used to being more actively engaged in the civic process. And that's how we'll know that the decisions and the investments uh, that are that are that are considered from City Hall will be reflecting our community's voices because our community's voices will literally be in those decisions. Very well said. Uh, any final thoughts? Any thoughts on all of the violence that's happening, not just in North Minneapolis or around our states? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and just kind of give it out, wrap it up, and um, just what are you feeling on that on that subject matter? You know, it's deflating. It is so hurtful and so insulting to see children dying to gun violence. We had two children, two teenagers shot at a rec center. Uh, and, you know, it seems like certain things should be should be sacred. Certain things should be off limits. Uh, but sadly, we have seen this cycle play out over and over again. It's not just this past year. And we've seen, you know, skyrocketing, you know, crime across the country uh, in the COVID crisis, which I think is a direct reflection of the fact that we have more people unemployed, more people homeless, more people hungry, more people socially isolated than ever before. And those have always been the conditions that lead to crime. But I would also say, sadly, the people who spend the most time, oftentimes, telling us that our public safety systems are broken also end up being the ones pushing us to try to prevent us from changing them. These spikes that we're seeing and the fact that we've seen them before and we know that we're stuck in these cycles, these are the 
biggest indication that we have to rethink the way we do public safety. It has to be a lot more proactive. It can't just center about racing to the scene and trying to arrest somebody after they do something terrible. It has to be about how we reduce the likelihood that something terrible will happen in the first place. That's work that we're doing in St. Paul. I know there's folks doing that work in Minneapolis as well and around the country. Uh, but I think, you know, as, as we lament and as we mourn the children we've lost in our community, in the same way as we owe, uh, owe it to George Floyd and Dante Wright and Philando Castile, a new compact between police and community members, uh, we owe our children, we owe our babies, uh, uh, a whole new approach to public safety for the next generation, and that's what we have to deliver. We're going to have to run uh, Mayor Melvin Carter, but I, I couldn't, I can't bring you on without asking, how's the new baby? I appreciate you asking. She's doing good. I'm sneaking in the baby room talking to you right now to try to keep her asleep a little bit longer because um, she's in my bed. Uh, but she's doing real well. She is. Uh, she's growing, and she's 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 making us laugh every single day. I appreciate you asking. It's a wonderful thing, and uh, I can't wait to see you in person and shake your hand and uh, pat you on the back for the job that you're doing in St. Paul. Thank you for being with us this morning, and mm-hmm. and uh, really a great uh, work with you and your family. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, thank you so much. You guys have a great day. You All too. Right, thank you. Up next, uh-huh. DeVito is on the way. Larry Fitzgerald has your sports. Also, it's now eight twenty-three with Freddie and Tim.